We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. to the two-year anniversary episode of On the Guest List with Fox trying to get down White Sox Dave, Kenny Carkeet, and Dante, and Johnny Congress, even though he doesn't want to fucking be acknowledged anymore, but whatever. Uh, once again, we just have the musicians. Uh, White Sox Dave, first off, I don't know what happened to that kid when he went to the Dominican Republic, but I don't know if you followed up. This kid apparently got every single, like, traveling disease you can get. Like, he got, like, this, he like... He would. He would. He would. Yeah, because he probably like licked a lollipop off the ground or something. Like He's that. just such a white Chicagoan fucking Brotsky eating bratwurst. You know what I mean? So on top of that, Dante is in the midst of opening his like third club of the week. Uh, those guys are just out and about. We're we're here holding down the fucking fort on the two year anniversary of the first episode of On the Guest List. What a goddamn journey it's been, Kenny. How long was it until you jumped in? Like you think two I know? I think it was like. March of that year, and we had started with Chris Shiflett uh, in January 25th of that year. Um, and I can't believe it's been—I can't believe it's been two years. I yeah. really can't. It doesn't feel like that at all. How the hell am I still here? <laughs> yeah, how when, are you still? When alive? did we come? We came on. When was it? Because we—I mean, I've been on now so many times, and like now yeah. in this like different capacity. Like when you when we had, came on as Congress, that was like a long time ago. A long time ago. That, I was. That still- was a long time ago. You Kenny went. Have- Kenny went through his rolodex of band friends, and everyone's like, "No, no, 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 no." Congos, yeah, we'll do anything, man. <laughs> what it was, it's actually even worse than that. I went through my rolodex of band friends, and was like, "Okay, who will I not be embarrassed?" To ask. <laughs> oh, Congos, fuck them. I'll ask them. <laughs> I was hype as hell because I fucking I remember come with me now so vividly in the same capacity that I remember fucking sale and hating you guys so much because I heard it every goddamn 30 seconds on alternative radio. <laughs> My neighbor the other day geeked out on uh, Congos. Something I I don't know how Congos got brought up. I think it was people that I've toured with or whatever, but um they're like Congos, Congos, I can't think of it. And then of course I played them come with me now and they're like lost their shit. They're like, I fucking love this song. <laughs> Calm down. It's a it out here in Texas, it's a weird thing. Like in LA, no one gives a fuck about you until you've won four Oscars. But out here in Texas and Austin, like the name still seems to have a little bit more of a ring to it, even though we haven't like been touring or doing anything in a little while. But uh yeah, it's weird. When people ask you, like, what do you do? You're musicians. Like, oh, you playing around town? Like, no, I haven't played in a while. Like, you have to go through all these questions because I don't want to just be like, here's my platinum record, even though I know I fucking do that. Bro, <laughs> do, like, you know how, do you know how fucking shitty it is when uh, you guys obviously know how shitty it is, but like, Kenny, probably not as much you because, like, I don't know, you fucking live in Malibu, so suck my balls. <laughs> um, like, I'll be like somewhere. Kenny lives like, in the Philly of Malibu. Just to get things straight. So that is true. <laughs> That's a, so it's the best place ever. Like, what are we talking about here? But, uh, so I'll be around. I'll be around Philly, or I'll be in other places, and they'll be like, "Oh, you're a musician? Like, do you play at like the bars around here?" And I'll be like, "No, I don't. I don't play at the bars. Like, we do like bigger, bigger, bigger shows. Like, they'll be like, where have you played?'" And I'll be like, "Here and here." And they're like, "Oh, so you're like an actual band?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm an, I, we're an actual band." Like, what the fuck, man? What was that? Is- when people ask you what? Johnny, when people ask you on airplanes, what do you do for a living? What's the what? How do you word it to them? I just play it straight. Like I'm a say I play in a band, right? So like, what do you say? I just say I play in a band with my brothers, and they usually ask, "What do you this?" It's the same thing. They ask, "You playing around town? Have you played whatever X Y Z club?" And it's such a weird experience because half of you 
the decent half of me is like, I don't want to like make a big deal out of this. It's just like, you know, it's a band. We had a, a, a big hit. It's not a big deal. Then the other half of me is like, ooh, I'm excited to get to tell. Like, to get to, oh, like yeah. it's fun having had a hit, man. Like, there's no denying that. So that when they say like, uh, where have you played? I'll be like, we played ACL a couple years back. And we, before that, we were at Moody Theater. Like, all the, like, just fucking name drop all the shit, you know? Take it to the point where you sing a little bit of the song. No, no, come on, Ken. Oh, come on, I don't sing, lie to say, yourself. I say, I sing sale. I say, I used to sleep next to this guy. Well, it's <laughs> funny because when people are like, what would I know you from? You know, you say sale, you go, sale. You know, you say <laughs> They're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So something actually weird like that happened to me today, though. So I'm, uh, I'm bartending because as we've covered on this podcast before, I'm still bartending until we start getting paid for this shit. And uh, some girl that I work with, she was like, Hold on a second. I swear to God, all my life this happened. The most recent Nickelback clip that went viral on TikTok, she pulls out her TikTok and shows a DM from her friend that shared the Nickelback video to her. And she was like <laughs> looking at her phone and looking at me and looking at her phone and looking at me. And, I, and she was like, do you do stuff with Barstool? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, what the Look, I dude, I'm not making this up. This is not just like me making some shit up out of the clouds. I swear to God, on my life, that actually happened tonight. Did and you? Was, were you wearing what you're wearing right now at the bar? Because this story is not quite as mysterious, if that's true. No, I have my sweatshirt behind me that I was wearing at the bar, and I didn't have the fucking hat you know on. Fucked up. I think I told the story once before. I was playing Call of Duty Warzone with Dave, with old Dave, and the very fucking first game in, because his name's White Sox Dave. On and now, I just gave him away, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Somebody goes, there's no fucking way this is White Sox Dave. Like, this is the White Sox Dave. And Dave's like, yeah, it's fucking me. You know how Dave does. And I was like, oh, Dave, you Dude, it is just funny to think, like, two years ago this didn't exist. And, like, how much weird, wild shit we actually have accomplished Yo, with this. Ice Cube, Black Keys. And the, and the, in, the, in the last six months, Ice Cube, Black Keys, Annalie Chapa, Nickelback, John Summit. Cannons, uh, fucking loud luxury today. Which, by the way, shout out Dante for randomly doing this interview like fucking year and a half ago, and it's just sitting in our drafts, and we didn't have an interview this week, so we threw it on here. Shout out to Loud Luxury. You can find that find that on YouTube and at the end of this episode. Um, we can suck each other's dicks all day if we want. I mean, dude, honestly, but like <laughs> to think this podcast started three years ago now. Um, the week COVID started before COVID started. And we were to 15 listeners, swear to God, every week. And we were doing three episodes a week. And, like, the biggest guest that I could get was Kenny. And <laughs> and, and it's, we're 200 episodes in. I've never missed a week. Um, you know what I was it, thinking about it, though? When you look at, like, big podcasts out there, like Joe Rogan, like the, the monsters, you know? Like, they're very guest-driven. You're like, I'll listen if there's a guest I'm interested in. But then there's always those ones where, like, you go listen to it's like the dude and his friends. Like whenever Duncan Trussell is on anybody's oh, podcast, so great. I'll just go listen to it because I want to hear them talk. Like I don't give a fuck if they've got the president or whoever on that <laughs> week. It's Tim like Dylan yet? Have I what? Gotten into the Tim Dylan podcast yet? Yeah, I've listened to that. I am a new new listener, 
fucking incredible. He is ranting the most insane shit to <laughs> nobody, and it's like sounds like garbage. The production is trash, but it's so funny. It's the funniest show. But it's like we talked about stories before we were talking about this, and and like Tim Dillon is like a gay dude from Long Island who was like a shitty mortgage broker who was addicted to pills, and now he's like just ranting about shit on Joe Rogan all the time. Like it's just such a cool story, and I mean like. I, I don't even want to like suck our own dicks or anything like that, but this is a cool story. This is a you can't say that cool phrase story. one more time on this podcast because then everyone's gonna catch on that that's exactly what we're doing. Suck <laughs> our own dicks. I dude, I don't mind. I dude, look, <laughs> we built this shit with our fucking bare hands. Legit, it's fucking really cool. And I will. I want to cut it. that clip of Colin talking about building this with his bare hands to like a person working in a fucking mine, and here we are sitting like smoking weed and having whiskeys in our. Dude, I am in the I'm fucking. With you. Colin, I'm with you. I appreciate what you're saying. I Johnny, just gotta, I, I have to make fun of you, Johnny. I am in the fucking coal mines of podcasting. <laughs> I'm down here. Kenny's my canary. I send into the fucking gas chamber to fucking find out whether or not we can keep going and. Here we are. I don't know how the fuck we're still doing it because there's been times in this where I was like, God damn, are we ever going to fucking break out here? And I <laughs> I said this before, but I really do have to thank Patrick Carney because I feel like Patrick Carney at a fucking left field kind of opened up the floodgates. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. do. Patrick Carney and Ice Cube. Thanks, I mean, Patty boy. Thanks, Patrick. You tall, lanky bastard. You fucking <laughs> you set it off, dog. But I mean, dude, we didn't even mention Lil John or fucking like DJ Pauly D or any of the guests we have coming up. We're sending emails about fucking Fallout Boy today. If that actually happens, then I'll suck my own dick. That would be fucking sweet. <laughs> I'd be you hype know, on that. You know, we were before before we started recording. You're kind of like brainstorming like names of the podcast. Like, how do you get the logo for on the guests and all that better? And I, I think it might be better if we just go like lean into it and call it "Sucking My Own Dick" podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the musician's. That's the musician's story. It's sucking our own dicks. That's all we do. It's fucking sweet. But no, I fucking I love you guys and I love Dave and I love Dante. Even though they're too cool to be here tonight, that is what it is. uh, Colin, who do you like better, Dave or Dante? Oh man, I don't know. That's a great question. Well, let's look at a pros and cons list here. Dante's really rich, so Dante. (laughs) No. Okay, um, so he's your he's your Mary. Yeah. I'll fuck, dude. I'll fuck the shit out of Dave. Yeah, for sure. Dave looks fuckable. Dave, no, Dave, dude, honestly, if Dave didn't text me blacked out that I, he wanted me to teach him how to play the guitar, we wouldn't be here. The amount of times Dave has told me on private text threads that he doesn't care about whatever it is that I'm saying is it's amazing. I wanna I wanna like one day open up Dave's head and see the clapping monkey that's inside. Like with the symbols. Like but it's you know just what? like a miniature Dave. It's like it's a Russian doll type situation, is what I'm picturing. And then, like the the fifth doll in the Russian Russian nesting doll is just like an atom waiting to be split. Like I don't know. Like <laughs> I I love Dave. I think Dave is a fucking spectacular human being, and I'd never say this to his. Actually, I would say it to his face to make him feel uncomfortable, because then he would be like, "Oh no, I'm a fucking piece of shit." Uh, I I love Dave to death. Dave kind of in a weird, fucked up, backwards way changed my life. It's cause... crazy that Dave has gone from like kind of white suburban sh- Chicago in to like. Nebraska white trash hunter in like a matter of six months. Let's be honest about something though. Isn't that kind of like the, uh, the it's a short, progr- it's a short drive between those uh, two. Right. It's, it's not it's a nat- road. It's the natural progression of like a white dude in his thirties. You eventually start to become. A fucking, shit, yeah. I'm never going to be that guy. I can't lie. I'm never going to be that guy. 
I mean, Kenny, what's the natural progression of like a Vietnamese guy in his late thirties? Like, what do you, what, do you do anything specifically like where Dave becomes like an alt-right hero? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I, you know, what's funny though. I feel like I get more conservative as every year goes by the older I get. You know, what Buddy, I mean? what's what's the Winston Churchill quote? Like, if you're not liberal when you're young, you have no heart. And if you're not conservative as you get older, you have no mind. Right. right. Like, it's, so, it's 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 like it's a natural progression. I tell you what, I can definitely tell you that um, I care less and less about most things the older I get. Yeah, I, I don't think that's conservative, though. I think that's just I mean, first of all, I've never you've never cared about anything as as long as I've known you. So. <laughs> <laughs> it might just be that maybe it's a magnifying, but now you, I saw your Instagram. You, you saw your mom holding your babies. Oh that, yeah. Okay. That opened up your little fucking stone heart. Didn't it? No, nah, man. I mean, that that shit's all beautiful and everything. And, but I, I don't know, like, I don't think that I'm getting more uh, conservative or anything. I definitely don't view view that way. But um, I think one thing this podcast has taught me. Conservative was, is a strong word. You know what I mean? I'm just, yeah, no, no, no. Just like one I'm, thing that, this <laughs> one thing you can attest to kenny is that when we when you first started coming on we would say certain things and i would be like i have to cut that and you and david would be like don't cut that you pussy like no one's gonna give a fuck i was so afraid of saying the wrong thing or getting in trouble or anything like that and i've completely switched i just don't give a fuck anymore as you should as you should that means you're being honest and genuine and I that think that wins. That's been, uh, I think, a good thing for us. And I think that's why a lot of musicians who come on here view this as something completely different. Because we, we're not out here just fucking, you know. What's your creative process like? Get the fuck out of here! It's like, what are you, what are you really about? <laughs> and I think that's like what was kind of like our superpower here. Um, but no, uh, happy two years. Here's to a million more. Or I hope it's not a million. We'll all be dead. Um, but no, uh, one thing I did want to talk about before we get into any interviews or anything like that, because I don't think there's a lot of music news. Uh, I think we can talk about we're going to do a Grammy live stream. Still don't know how we're doing that. Um, but I'll leave that to the interns to figure out. And you guys are tech savvy, so we'll fucking, you know, we'll figure it out. But um, I don't have any opinions on the Grammys yet. I, we'll get to that. Johnny's but... the one with the four camera studio Zoom setup. He'll figure it out. Then why don't we go sit in Johnny's studio? Let's just put it on Twitch. Twitch, YouTube. Are you, wait, so are you trying to figure out how to actually watch it live and stream live as we watch or just watch it live record it and then put it up well i mean we'll be watching it like i'm sure we can all have it and then like on youtube whatever because i don't think we can like stream it on youtube we'll probably get pulled down for that yeah for sure we'll figure it out but i, I already got the interns working on it so we're cool with cool. that but um we'll do picks we'll we'll fucking react to everything that's going on we'll make fun of everybody it'll be fun um, i'll tell you what i'm gonna do i'm not gonna research any of it because i don't i literally have not a single clue who's nominated and i'm just gonna play the guy who doesn't know anything about music like i do every, like i do every week yeah i like that whoa whoa whoa, whoa. hold on Dante's back. <laughs> What's up, dude? It's lonely. Guys, I'm just checking in from 11 real quick. Want one of these? I got you. I, I got one. Are you in Miami right now? Look at this Dante's checking in from the club in Miami. What's up, dude? Can I play his theme song? Please. Yeah. He's out. Ohio, Grand Rapids. Oh, where is it, man? Come on, timing. <laughs> Do you realize like how far down in the fucking food chain we are of the world while Dante's at 11 in Miami just partying his ass off in the club and we're sitting here talking about the Grand Rapids? Ohio, Grand Rapids. Ohio, Grand Rapids. Ohio, Grand Rapids. Ohio, Grand Rapids. Yada, yada, yada. Oh, my God. 
I have text messages. <laughs> Barstool editors. Barstool editors. Barstool editors. Barstool editors. Fucking assholes. I'm fucking sick of it. Dude, Johnny has made this podcast so much better. <laughs> that was incredible. Oh, I can't wait to clip that and send it to him. I'll, I'll, oh. I'll send you the MP3s so and get decent quality. Guys, what, 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 what is going to happen when we're all in the room together for the first time? Someone's going to get in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived with Johnny many times now. You know what I mean? I mean, I've been with I've been with Dante a bunch. Like I feel like I've been with Dante more than I've been with anybody in person. I feel like when you're tour with somebody that like I lived with that person, especially for like eight weeks, twelve weeks, multiple tours. Dude, I've taken no. multiple shits next to Kenny and then stall next to him and used to play that song on your phone. Oh, shot A, smooth criminal. Yeah. yeah, every fucking time I'm there. In the restroom, Smooth Criminal comes on. Or, uh, smooth, wait, what is it? Uh, no, no, the one with the saxophone. It was the George. Oh, no, uh, Smooth Operator. Shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's either Careless Whisper or Smooth Operator. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, the, yeah. it is It is funny. Like, I feel so bad. Like, I've toured with, like, a lot of, like, women in our band, too. Like, Erica, and we've had Caroline, who's toured with us. Like, the shit that they have to go through. Like, with the with the five dudes, like yeah. oh, it's rough. It's rough. Erica's such a G though, dude. I want you guys to meet Erica in person. Erica is like the best fucking human. She's just a fucking a monster. A monster. She's the best. Um I fucking met Erica waiting tables at a Texas Roadhouse in Westchester, Pennsylvania. We'll never <laughs> She'll never come on the podcast. Why? I think I mean, dude, she's come on like maybe once out of two hundred episodes. She fucking hates being recorded. Hates it. Hates it. And dude, she's so funny. She's so fucking funny. Yo, work on it. Get her on here. Erica would be great on here, dude. Because we would say some shit and she would just go, oh, guys. Like, you know, like she just, <laughs> come on. Is she um, the mom of your band? Yeah, I think I might be the mom of the band, to be completely honest. I'm keeping up. No, Erica is definitely the mom. I'm the dad, for sure. Jimmy is like the rebellious son. What did uh, I see? I saw a meme earlier that was like, if you guys want to get the world back on track, you need to make. Uh, tour managers president yeah. of countries they're I like saw that. Be on time under budget everybody's fed everybody's taken care of okay the, here's the one thing I and they could in. run the country drunk like actually drunk like the amount of times we'd be partying on the bus and our tour manager mick would leave at like 4 a.m go into his bunk and you're like just passing out of your bunk and emails start flying off like he's advancing the show three weeks down the line in wherever like poland Oh, Unbelievable. Nick, I love Nick. We got to get Nick on here, dude. Oh, oh yeah, he's a he's fucking funny. You'd have to get a translator though. Like I, on a on a Zoom call, understanding him would be very difficult. Alex Gaza, my boy, to Europe on a European run with what's the other band that he does that would be touring over there? Empire of the Sun or Cut Copy? Cut Copy. Or... He was doing Cut Copy, and Alex yeah. texts me almost every night. I'm so fucked up right now <laughs> you're up with cut coffee it was like his first tour ever oh dude here's what i wanted to talk about before we get in the interview uh tonight at the bar the playlist is usually like house music like i don't know how to describe this bar that i work at it's like very like uh i don't know it looks like a the west hollywood kind of like fucking like very like ornate and like it's very hip and it's always house music tonight for some reason whoever set up the playlist it was like phoenix 
Death Cab, Empire of the Sun, uh, fucking, it was like, I don't know, like mid-alts, like sad boy music. Dude, <laughs> I forgot how great that fucking music is. And I love Death Cab, and I fucking love, like, the shins were on there and stuff like that. And I was just in my zone. And I don't know what makes that era of music so great. Like, Phoenix is so ridiculously underrated. Oh Phoenix is such a great fucking band. Live, dude. The French, man. The French electronic scene. I remember, I mean, this isn't even a story worth telling. We played a show, uh, what's it called? Disco Loadout, right? Where, like, the mm-hmm. turned into a club after. Except this place that we played was tiny. It was, like, our first time ever playing, like, Paris or something. Turned into like a 150, 200 cap room with four guys with a like a card table, all with different drum machines on them. And they were just fucking doing beats together, doing the sickest shit. And then they went into like Beverly Hills Cop theme song and like all this shit. And the place was going nuts. We're like the French electronic scene just being at a random place was incredible. Dude, I, 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 like, I'm like falling back in love with me. I don't. I just recently went through a period of time where I think we were very busy, and I was kind of obsessed with like getting our single out and everything like that. But I'm getting hit with shit that I just haven't heard in a while. Like the uh, Currents Tame and Pal album came on recently, and I was just like, dude, the sounds like there's records that I'm falling back in love with that I would just like gloss over previously. Even like these like Death Cab songs that were coming on the night. I was like, dude, Ben Giver is writing this incredible music and i maybe just be getting because i can't i don't know how you feel john i don't know how you feel i go through spurts where i don't like touch a pen and paper and i don't write anything i just focus on the songs that i already have because we're building a record like i think i might be diving back into like a creative phase where i'm like actually writing again which will piss the band off because now we have all these new songs that i'm trying not to get it and i'm gonna gonna get obsessed with them like but i'm hitting like a re-falling back in love with records period of time right now and i don't know what's going on or where i'm going but like i love that feeling of like Hearing something you've heard before, but then picking out things that you're like, wow, that was a great choice. Or like, wow, how did they get that sound? That's a turn of phrase. Like, that's a fucking beautiful thing. I don't know if you guys go through that. I think what it is, Colin, is we live in an eternal recurrence. And the same same things going around, like in any scale, whether it's a day, a month, or a year, something's different in the way you are for whatever reasons, like whatever's going on in your life, you're excited about various things. And that emotional state that it's bringing to you is seeing something completely differently that you've seen and heard probably a thousand times. You know, well, I'll be on. I'll be honest. The podcast has stifled my songwriting. I'm not gonna lie. I put so much time and focus into this that it's hard to cut myself away to focus on that side of creativity. And this is like this is like a weird thing I've just noticed about myself is that like when I'm really really focused on getting shit done for the podcast. I don't pick up a pen and pad as much. I don't know well, why. I mean, here's what I think is why, is that creative energy is like an actual physical finite thing, and you've only got so much of it. I think you can create more of it by like uh, alchemical means, let's say. But if you're not doing that, then it's a limited amount of energy that you've got so it's going somewhere and it's you know it's not good or bad it's not like it's if you're using it in a conscious way then it's worthwhile well i think it's also the fact that i don't feel any pressure to write right now because we have the songs picked out for the record that we are finishing so i'm focused on one specific set of songs that i really i felt great about and i love the way they're all going so i don't need that right now i need to put that energy elsewhere also i'm working two different jobs too so it's like nine hours a day on that this the band, the record we yeah. already need to get finished, and then also 
that other side of me that like is my favorite side where I get to write songs. I'm like, I got to cut that out to fucking focus on everything else. I can't wait to get back in a phase where I can relax and write. That'll be yeah. fun. Again, it's just like, I don't know. I'm trying to finish a song now that I started in 2010. That's where I'm at. <laughs> what is it about? Like the recovering housing market? Like what's the 2010 song about? Dude, I've never written anything about any current event ever. And I never will. Because current events are meaningless. Um, no, I don't know what it's about. It's just like I do that. I write songs. I get stuck somewhere. I put them away. And it'll come back sometimes 10, 15 years later. Like a lot of the shit on our newer albums, Jesse particularly was like finishing up songs literally from like 2006. Wow. So, and that's sometimes, if you, like you got a lot of shit you wrote back then, but when something lost and you come back to it and you, it's still got some uh, magic to it, then you know it stood at least your test of time and maybe it's got a chance to stand other people's test of time, you know? I had a I had a cool experience. We're talking about like kind of creative process shit, which I just earlier said like we're not going to talk about. But I, one thing that's been fun for me is to watch the rest of my band kind of like actually get more involved in song structure and songwriting. Because for the longest time that wasn't what it was. I brought it and we we did it, and that's how it worked. Mm-hmm. Er, Erica, who I was just talking about, actually, we have this song called "Shine a Little Light," which I really love, and I had a very specific idea of what it was. And Erica said, no, that's not it. She And I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't even know she had ever heard the song before. And she was like, this is more of like a Leon Bridges River kind of a vibe to me, like mixed with like Ryan Adams kind of a thing. And I was like, what the fuck are you hearing? Like, where is that? <laughs> I was like, this is up tempo. This is fucking going crazy. And we we ran it in her style. And I was like, where did this come from? Like, where, where did, because it works perfectly. It's the last song on the record now. Like, we're finishing that. We're going to go in and cut that and be done. And she was like, I don't know. That's how I always heard it. And I was like, that made me think, though, like, how many of these do you have in your brain? Like, that to me is so much fun to, like, see someone who didn't take it as, like, hands-on before and not knowing exactly how much potential that person has in that field and as a songwriter and as a song structure kind of a person and being like, wow, like 10 years into this band, I'm just finding out something new about you. Like, I think cut, to, cut to three years from now, Colin's firing everyone for having too many opinions. <laughs> uh, uh, no, dude, I, I, if this, if this was 2017, Colin, and that happened in the studio, I would have went home and thought about it all night. I would have thought about it all night and been like, this. I know people like that, <laughs> dude. I, but I think that comes with relinquishing some, uh, I don't know, like, uh, dictatorial kind of like dictator kind of like oh i'm the fucking musical savant here like you guys are just along for the ride and then you realize like yo shit doesn't work like that it's a delicate balance though and i can say this like intimately having worked with my brothers now for going on 15 16 years where like it's every it's been every day in some form or another that we're working with each other and it's a delicate balance of accepting influence on your music and knowing where to put a line down uh, not for the sake of like ego but for the sake of knowing in your heart that this is what's right for the song because particularly with brothers i'm sure it's it's the same probably in a lot of bands but with your brothers like there's a lot of pressure always to like bend to their will on what what's right for the song sometimes they're right sometimes they're wrong and vice versa and to to try and get that right is very very difficult and it's something you have to i think it requires basically a deep sense of honesty with yourself and with with your band or with your brothers to just say 
the, I'm saying this because I truly believe that this is best for the song and not because I want to get my little fucking, you know, hands on it. Johnny, every one of you guys, the four of you guys, all write songs that end up making records and playing live. You guys ever like whoever wrote the song gets the final say, or is it still a four? Yeah, you. Every, we we're, we like to say we're a, a democracy of four dictators, and you get dictator like veto power on your own song. Like you make the final call. Right. But I, it's less and less like that, particularly like working out here now in Texas in the new space. We're just trying different stuff, and it's just been like a lot more free flowing, a lot easier because I don't know. Like we've got, we're six albums in, we're working on a seventh album. It's like, we've done a lot of things. Let's try something new. Like let's try just relaxing in a way. I I think like uh, the way I look at it for us is that I don't remember the exact moment where it all switched for me, but I think it, when we were down in Nashville uh, for a lot of that If you time, say the word ayahuasca, I fucking quit the podcast right now. Dude, I've never even smoked weed before. Okay, good. <laughs> Oh, well, that's not good. that's not good. That's not good. But um. <laughs> no, uh, no. I think what happened was when we were in Nashville. I, I think I was the one who was going down a lot, and I was in the writing sessions and shit. So I think for some reason I thought I knew more. Uh, and then when we started working back in Philly more, and we were in rooms together more, but it was more like I don't know. Like I feel like the guys and, and the girls in the band like didn't think they could do it. And then when we started opening the doors up more to be like, yo, I think you're fucking way smarter than you think you are. Mm -hmm. And like Erica to me is always like the person I look at and say, like, my drummer, Jimmy, I trust him implicitly when he joined the band. Like he started making changes right away. Will, my saxophone player is a legit fucking genius. Like he's worked with Corey Wong. He's worked with like the Wolfpack guys. He's toured with a lot of people. Like Will is like a legit fucking music nerd. But Erica is the person who very timidly in the beginning was like, I sing. I don't really, you know, I'm not. A, and then now I watch her basically grab me by the shirt and say, like, yo, you're wrong about this song. This is how we're going to do it. And the fucking pride I feel in that to watch this person unlock themselves and like actually have the confidence to be like, yo, you're wrong. I love yeah. that. Maybe Dude, I, I feel like I Kenny, Kenny's like. Uh, probably got a really good insight on this because of all the work you've done in every different kind of context as a producer where sometimes like you're really calling the shots other times you're just like a, a dude who's like i'm here to get the record to sound good like you wear a lot of hats when it comes to working with other artists don't you i always tell the first thing i always have to tell bands is that my job as a producer is to get you out of your own way if you wanted to write your own record, you could write your own record. That's not why I'm here. And whether right. you decided that I should be here or your label decided that I should be here, I'm here. And so we're going to push some boundaries. We're going to go too far. We're going to pull it back. And the, the spectrum of uh, how it's taken is, is pretty wide. I mean, there's a lot of bands who are like, that, that just doesn't sound like us. That's not something we were doing or, or whatever it is to like full open book, whatever. Let's fucking make something great or cool. You know, but then and then there's the new bands where like the fat guy behind the desk is like calling what's cool and what's not cool, and, and they're afraid of them. And now we need a mid tempo song. And then there's you know legacy <laughs> bands like can do whatever they want. I mean, particularly I remember um, yeah, like I did uh, the anti flag record American Spring, which was cool because I have always been a fan. I've been listening to anti flag since I was like 13 years old. Then I got to make that record with them, and like Pat had never played. Uh, a closed hi-hat in his life. 
and he's never done anything <laughs> less than an eighth note hat for like open hats. And that's, you know, punk rock. I took me days to force him to do like, give me quarter closed hats here, blah, 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 whatever. Ended up making the record. Record was great and they were grateful for it. So it's, it's an interesting spectrum of like opening artists up to outside opinions. And like you said, Johnny, that's like half of being a producer is the psychological aspect of it. How do I tell them that idea sucks? Yeah, it's like you need a fucking a master's degree in psychology to like, it's actually, you need a doctorate because when you're dealing with artists, it's like the most sensitive people on earth. Like yeah. you have to tread carefully because you say one wrong thing. There's some philosopher that was actually talked about that. He says, what you must never, ever, ever, ever do is tell an artist the truth. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> if you ever hear me say, I think we can find something cooler. That means you should stop what you're doing and just let me do this over here. <laughs> we have a, produ- we have a producer that in Nashville that we work with a lot. His name is trace. And, uh, I know Trace's tick where Kenny says we can find something cooler, right? I know what that means. When we finish a take or we finish a run through of a, of a pre-production song and he just goes, uh, yeah, man. I know right away. It's like get the fuck out of here. Like that's just dog shit. I'll give you. I'll give you my tell because for the coming up for the Grammys party, if I say they're really talented, that means I hate them. Right. You're right. Right. Or no, no. Mine is that's interesting. Like interesting is a great cop out one. I would say ran, another kind of unrelated note. As a producer, one of my favorite bands that I ever worked with and some of my favorite songs I ever made is for a band that doesn't exist anymore called Night Riots. That oh, was Night Ride. Shout out Night Really, Ride. really fucking cool. And those guys were like kind of scared from the label, like because the label was telling them, you need this song, this song, and this song to sound like this, this, and that. And it took me three months to convince them to like, don't worry, don't fucking worry about them. Let's let's make this thing here. And I'm so proud of those songs. And I wish they were still a band, but they're great songs. Dude, it's the from the other side of things, I'll be a sensitive artist for a while. Uh, we got those discussions early, we had, like, and they was they were careful with us because the way we came into our record deal is we had a fucking hit song on the radio with an album that was already out, and they're like, "We're just gonna change the the imprint that it's on and say we're putting it out." Like it was out, it was done. There was no arguing about what should be what. But come working on the next album, there's, there's things like, "Have you guys considered working with producers and all that?" And it's not that. A producer, there's probably a thousand producers that could come in and make a great record with us. It's not that we don't, we think that we're like, we only have people know how to make good records, but it was also just like, fuck off. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we brought this thing to you finished. It took us fucking six years for, to finish. We had come with me now finished for six years before anyone was like, oh, wow, it's a hit. Congrats, guys. <laughs> And then now you can talk to us about producers. Like, fuck off. Honey, to I don't know honest, if we can talk about this, so clap if we can. But uh, who is that one giant rapper or producer that, that like, hit you guys up or you guys did a song with? And Max T-Pain, and wasn't it? You in Hollywood. We were talking about it, and you showed it to us. Oh, that was – we can talk about that. was T-Pain. T-Pain, yeah. 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 Wait, did that song come out? Am I- no fucking – I'm saying it on this podcast now. One, Colin, pull your magic shit and get T-Pain on the podcast so I can be like, T-Pain, can we put that song out, please? It's so good. Uh, and then, yeah, it is – It, dude, I think it's a fucking smash hit. He wrote this song. We wrote it a verse and added like a whole crazy-ass production to it. We went to the record plant in L.A., into his session. I think I feel like I've told this story on this podcast. Maybe you not. have. And that's why I knew yeah. what it was. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I don't know. He changed our way of thinking so much working in the studio with him because he's a fucking musical genius, I think. T-Pain like, changed popular music. Yeah. He did. Well, not not just not even just that, just watching him work and his approach to doing things. Like it was just it was like it was a real kind of masterclass in like how to work for us particularly differently. Like we learned a lot from him. What was what are some highlights? Well, the thing, like one, it was a, I mean, like picture a, a rap recording session. It was that, you know, right. like I've been in been in many of them. Clouds of weed, and although I don't even know if he was smoking really, like he was drinking and just having a good time. And then, like, there's a party happening. You're like, oh, when is the session going to start? Like us naive, like alt rocker people, like, oh, usually we have tea and fucking, and, and then like the microphone comes out in the record plant. You know the record plant, and like like. It's probably like a $6 trillion studio. They've got every mic on earth. It's like a top level studio. They're not recording in any of the isolation booths. He's just in the back of the room with like a microphone there recording fucking amazing vocals while the party continues. So like that was one thing to just like try and have more fucking fun in the studio and not be so goddamn serious all the time with, but, but it's a weird mix. Cause it's like fun, but he's fucking deadly serious about getting a good record together. And then I don't know. It's like un intangible things that we learned from him. Just like being around someone that's like been going at it that long and that legendary, you kind of just, I don't know. You, you pick yeah, things yeah. up by osmosis, you know, Kenny, Kenny on that note is who's the first like real pro like I, I remember the first real pro I was in the room with in the studio that like made me realize like I didn't really know what I was doing. Do you remember the first like person you were in the studio with that you were like, whoa, that's a pro? Are you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Yo, I said it once. I'll say it a million times. My fucking mentor, man. I, when I came to L.A., I like worked at a Kinko's. I fucking delivered hard drives for a production company, all the horrible jobs. And then I got a. And the, one of the production companies I was a runner for did Rob Deerdeck movies, uh, like skateboard movies. So we got to go to a premiere at the Fantasy Factory. There I met a guy named Jimmy Messer, got to talking. He owns a recording studio. I'm in L.A. to be an engineer. This is like maybe eight months into it or something like that. He's like, oh, you should come by and do a tour. I go by, do a tour. We hit it off. I get a job. That's that whole story. He is the best fucking guitar player and one of the most musical people I've ever met. He did a bunch of the Kelly Clarkson songs. Enrique Iglesias songs. He had been touring. He played Super Bowls for them. He's played VMAs, like all the biggest crazy shit. But to like, but we did Americana records. His mentor was Mike McCarthy, I think it was his name, who did all the Spoon records. So I got to soak in what Jimmy had got from from McCarthy and then take it in and like, you know, things like all of his amps are on 10 all the time. Stabbing an amp, a speaker with the night, you know, with three drum mics, one over the drummer show, like just interesting, fucking crazy shit. Um, and that was my first introduction to working in a recording studio, and still to this day is like the master class of like I learned everything from. There. That's fucking sick, dude. Dude, you know, I I never actually talk about this because we, it's like one of those things we take for granted. My brothers and I, like, we grew up in a fucking studio. I, Colin, I don't know how much you know about our dad. Yeah, we've like, talked about this before. Yeah, like just being around him, it's like something you kind of take for granted. Like I never think about it. I'm like, yeah. oh, we tell stories about a T-Pain thing, which is awesome. And then I'm like, 
someone else would be like, oh yeah, but you grew up with your dad and like all the I, stuff he was doing. The only musician in my entire family, not a single person, <laughs> any instrument. Crazy. I mean, my, my dad was a guitar player and everything like that, but not like a serious one. Like, but I, I do remember the first time ever being in the room with somebody being like, wow, that's a pro. And I, w- I was working on solo, just Americana songs in Nashville, and they brought in a session drummer for the day, and it was uh, Brad Pemberton. Brad Pemberton plays drum- or played drums for Ryan Adams. And I mean, I, I fucking, you know, Ryan Adams is what Ryan Adams is now, but he still made three or four of my favorite records of all time. And so I was freaking the fuck out, and I was like, holy shit, he played on Easy Tire and Gold and all these records and shit. And just to watch him set up his fucking kit come out, ask for charts, and be like, all right, boy, so what are we doing here? And then play through the song once with the perfect tone. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, it, it sounded like the Ryan Adams records yeah. that I played on. And yeah. he he had the drums like Taylor Hawkins half the time. We, we told him, like, this needs to feel like this. And he just knew exactly what to do in the exact tones. And, and if we needed a small tweak, he knew exactly the tasty thing to do. And How just about- to, like, what? How about Americana guitar players playing acoustic guitars under microphones? I mean, I mean that's what Jimmy Messer did. And like, I, I remember being like in the studio being like, how the fuck? Not a squeak, not a thing, just a perfect, like you said, top tail song, start to finish with a pocket. It's what I, I, everybody would call his Texas right hand. Uh, I just remember like doing doing those songs and like uh, my producer being like, yeah, we need you to solo on all these songs. Because I, 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 I I can fucking work my way around a three thirty five or, or a strat like whatever, but I remember the one song called for kind of like this like California country soul kind of a vibe, like an Eagles vibe. And Chris Tench, who's another one of like a great get, like older guy guitar player in Nashville, was in the session that day, and he just picked up a telly and just effortlessly went from shredding on the previous song to doing this perfect thin line kind of like Eagles guitar lot and i just remember being like and then the next song he picked up my fucking uh resonator and and played plucky slide lines on it and i'm like you you're from a different planet than i am like this is insane like musician i feel musicianship that happens often in the studio like it, it's weird i don't know a lot of times like a producer has really blown my fucking mind or a, i mean writers have blown my mind but i remember um first awol record tony royster jr played on one of the songs uh, drummer, right? For Jay Z, as a drummer for Jay Z, he yeah. played a song called Soul Wars, which is really fast and aggressive. And like watching that motherfucker play Alon Rubin, like, are you Great drummer. kidding me? You know, the musicians, man, I've, musicians have blown my mind. Non, do you know, do you know what's the, other, the other thing is this when you do in the alt rock world, the fucking standards are pretty low. Yes. For like, you know, like you go to Nashville, even out here in Austin, you go see like, even if it's not your style of music, you go see country players play or like gospel musicians. It's like, those are musicians. Alt rock people are like, look, I got these four chords together. The bass player knows another three. And between us, with a good producer, we might squeak something out, you know? The word I definitely out in alternative music is drummers. Like the drummer of Phoenix and like, Couple other bands where you're like, even though they're alternative, some of those fucking drummers. Oh no, yeah, I'm not saying like, yeah, there's amazing musicians within the alt alt world, but I'm saying generally speaking, like the levels not there. No, that's work in the computer. Can I say something though that like I I genuinely feel this way, and I don't know if you guys feel this way. If there's one thing that you do that like 
So I'll say this. I've been in rooms with musicians that I knew I should not have been in the room with because I don't consider myself to be that level of musician. So, like, there was a part of it that was just like, wow, this is fucking incredible. I've never stepped in the room with a songwriter where I felt completely out of my depth. And I think maybe that's more of a subjective thing because you feel like you can turn a phrase or whatever it is. But I've been in rooms with some great songwriters in different cities and shit like that. And I've never once been like, how do you do what uh, that's now that I'm saying that like, no, but you know, I mean, uh, part of that is that every person thinks that they like, it's just pure expression, a song. It's like, everyone's got their voice and everyone's is just as good as everyone else's. And it's like, that's fine. It's a fair argument, but it's also not like, go look at like, if you, if you walked into a room with like Joni Mitchell, right. I feel like, you just be like, it's not even a question of like the same ballpark. You'd just be like, oh, we're not even like the same species. Well, so here's here's where I get with songwriters. And it's that I get obsessed with songwriters who do things or phrase things in ways that I can't. There's a, a songwriter out of Nashville named AJ Babcock. Um he he was in a band with Josh Dunn from 21 Pilots for a little while. Um and he he's in a very small band called secret club that I'm obsessed with my, my buddy Nate drums for them, but AJ writes sarcastic lyrics, but then turns it into a fucking very anthemic punk rock arena rock kind of a song. I can't write sarcastically. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> dude, I'll, I'll hook you up with Danny, uh, my brother, because he can teach master classes on sarcastic lyrics that are also heartfelt. It's, he's it- a master at that. It, that to me is where I get stumped and it's like, I would love to be in a room and write with that person. I would never feel like I was getting outmatched, but he does something that I can't do. Yeah. And like, he has this amazing song, uh, about, uh, it's called girlfriend. And it's about literally about being at a Chili's and dancing with a girl and her girlfriend comes up and punches him in the face. And it's that as a premise, that's a fucking dumb premise for a song, but he does it so well that I never once sit back and think this is a dumb song. Like I, I yeah. like I would never sit down and be like, that's what I'm going to write about. Or it, it, oh, Matthew Coma does that for me. Everything. I mean, that he's a write, genius. I'm like, I cannot believe I didn't think of that. That's insane. <laughs> I mean, he wrote clarity by Zed. That's enough for me. Like that. The fact that I love that song, like just as like a, a song structural... about CBS. It was a hit. That's, that's <laughs> so good. Wait, excuse me. Yeah, there's a song called CVS and it's fucking great. It's about it's really about like him getting into a fight with his girl and so he goes to CVS to get her a box of chocolates and then but CVS is the hook. It's really good. It's fucking great. That, I, that's in, fucking incredible. But all right. I feel like we've pushed this as far as it is. In true on the guest list fashion, it's fucking one o'clock in the morning my time. Um let's just fucking wrap this up and go into the loud luxury interview. Do me a favor and please go watch it on YouTube. Push that. That's where we're gonna be pushing that interview, but Gentlemen, two years in, absolutely fucking wild. A lot right. of shit going on. Um, shout out Dante for being at a fucking fancy club in Miami. <laughs> Piece of shit. Um, gentlemen, anything for me? Nope. Nope. All right, Kenny, get this back to me as soon as humanly possible so I might be able to sleep tonight. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, kiss my ass and suck my dick. Uh, <laughs> this is the interview with Loud Luxury. <laughs> fucking jerk off. <laughs> Three, two, one. What's up? Dante here again. Barstool backstage with the one and only Loud Luxury. What up? Thank Joe and Andrew. Us. 
You guys are on Barstool more than me. <laughs> we love it. You guys are the fam. We, we, we always end up finding our way some way or another. <laughs> what have you guys been up to since I saw you last? It was beginning of pan or right before a pandemic lockdown last year. You played forward where you're at tonight. Yep. I great mean, club. Yeah, great club. Great spot. Thank uh, you very much. We're excited to have you back. Thank you. Yeah. We've been making a ton of music. Um, so we've kind of taken the downtime to work on that. We're going to be releasing a bunch of songs soon. And then now we're back at it. I mean, this is number two of five shows in uh, four days, I think it is. Last <laughs> night we were in Vegas. Tonight we're in Ohio. Tomorrow we are in Miami. And then Sunday we do Montauk and then take a jet to D.C. Sick. So you're at live tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy how that's our sense of normalcy. We're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's the world being back to normal. That's awesome, man. Uh, what's it feel like to be back playing in front of live live crowds? And I mean, it's what we've basically dreamed of, you know, when the world shut down. You thought about this moment. What would it feel like when you finally get back and you're reunited with everyone? And it's just given us such good energy to feed off. That's inspired us for the music that we're making um, and everything for the rest of the summer. So it's great. I love it. So you saw our boy, Marty Mush, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he came by the house. <laughs> the boy. We all saw the video. Uh, question from the readers. If you had to rate Marty's dance skills on a scale of one to 10, where? Oh, that's easy. Like a solid two out of 10. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 2.5 on a good day. All he has is that knee pop. That's it. So one move, Marty. Yeah, one move, right. Marty. And he's, and he's got a three out of 10. No, two. Two out of ten. Two right. point five on a good day. We, no, right. we don't go half. We don't go half. We either go <laughs> whole number. It's not straight. a pizza review. And that's rough because that's coming from two Canadian people. And Canadians, as we all know, are the nicest people. We're going to have to take a dance class with them. All right. So speaking about the difference between Americans and Canadians, what do you guys, if you guys see a difference at all, what do you think the, diff the biggest difference is between music I mean, like Toronto, where we're based. The music like, scene in Canada versus yeah. music scene in America. Toronto is very multicultural. There's a lot. Of, it's like a big melting pot for a lot of uh, different styles, a lot of different artists. So, I mean, when that kind of comes together, it, it has a different flavor to it, you know? So, is it like club scene or? Yeah, club scene, everything. Yeah. Like the in Toronto, that's like where we kind of started. And, I mean, that, that was its own, like, basically, like like hub for music like it, right. it was kind of like the la of canada i guess if you if you're into music yeah you feel a little bit more love with dance music on radio in canada even beyond our music you know like well i'll turn on the radio when we're back in toronto and they're playing tiesto and they're playing calvin harris and i don't really feel that same vibe no. from like radio stations in the u.s no i would say that's a big difference we're a bit more european in that way that's awesome i take that as being the djs on the radio up there actually have freedom and it's not like yeah, a little bit. They, they have a little bit too much freedom because we're homies with one of the stations, and they've actually played some of the like of our songs before they were out. Oh no and way! They, before they even had the final copy of it, because we sent it to them. We're like, hey, like check this out. And then they're like, we're playing it first. They're like, ah, you can't do that. <laughs> Not a bad thing though. I mean, to be that That's supported, awesome. where they're yeah. just like, here, I'll play like this rough demo on radio quick. That's crazy. That's awesome. So I remember a few years ago, the first time we had you guys out, we brought you to dinner and just picking your brain. And like you said, you cut your teeth coming up in the Toronto scene and playing house parties and college parties and then the clubs. What at the level you're at now, getting to where you're at now, what was the moment where you guys were like, damn, we fucking made it for me? If it was when we played in Boston. Because that's kind of like after we released At the Body. Grand? Yeah. 
Shout out, night. shout out, Randy Greenstein, my yeah, man, my boy Randy. at the Grand. Rand, so, so Randy's the, I think, the first guy, one of the first guys to book you, and I think I was one of the was, second. Yeah, he was yeah. one of the first people to put us on because I remember that that night it was like a, a snowstorm, like we thought nobody was going to come out, and we're yep. like, oh my god, like there's actual like real promoters booking us now, and like we can't like we don't want like it to be a crappy show. So then we get there and it was like actually like super busy, even though it was like a snowstorm outside. And then people knew the words to body. And I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I'm like, why do they know the words to this? I'm like, this doesn't happen. That's awesome. What about you? Same. Yeah. But it's also a process that happens every day. Like there's just something, you know, baked into every single day that always surprises you and humbles you a bit. Like, Oh, I had no idea that this person likes our music. You know, for example, I remember Gordon Ramsay coming to one of our shows when we play in Vegas and being like, I didn't think that he would be into us, you know? Uh, he's a homie now. And no way. Yeah. You guys are tight with him? Yeah. I heard he's really nice off camera. Oh, nice. yeah. Super nice. I heard he's like, he crazy. flips the switch. And yeah. It was hilarious because we actually were on one of the tapings for the show. And like the entire time he's like screaming at everybody. And then we go to like say what up to him like backstage afterwards. He's like, hey guys, like how are you? <laughs> Very nice to see you again. That's awesome. Yeah. So and real talk, I think even today is a good example of that, you know, because we've been away for basically a year, you know, haven't seen anyone in Cleveland. And to come back, you know, come into a sold out show, it's like we've never left. We're just picking right back off. It's going to be nuts. So it's amazing. It's going to be crazy. I mean, we're sold out. People are like, I don't think we're going to make our flight tomorrow. Stoked. I do not want that to happen. I don't want to get on <laughs> Grutman's bad side. So you yeah, guys don't do better. That. You guys don't better make your fucking flights. You, uh, on the other hand, you're screwed. I know it's it's been a rough week, and I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And well, you're going to be just like absolutely covered in tequila. I know. I'm I'm looking That's forward. That's a threat. So all right, I'll wrap this up so you guys can get some rest because I feel bad. And I really appreciate you guys taking the time to do this. Anytime. What can your fans look forward to in the second half of 2021 mm -hmm. and 2022? I know you said you've got a ton of new music out, but coming out, what else? Well, if this weekend is any indication, uh, we are touring like psychos again. And we're going to be playing a lot more shows. And we are going to be releasing a lot more music. We have yeah. like five songs coming out. Yeah, as an EP. Which is awesome, too, Sick. because, I mean, it's not just like, oh, yeah, here's this throwaway release and that. It's like, you know, an EP that we've really put our heart and soul into. Yeah, you know, thought about everything from the top down. So we're just excited to bring that concept to life and tour that and just the world's reopening. So let's fucking go to be polite. Amazing. Any uh, ballpark date we can expect in the next summer. couple of months? Really? That yeah. soon? Yeah. This summer. Big time. Amazing. We're doing lockdown. Name, label. It's so with Not, Armada. Yeah. I mean, Not I Armada. Label, but yeah. anything else I think should be left to be okay. a surprise. I, I respect that. But That's awesome. You can expect a lot from us this summer. You know, we want to be the soundtrack to everyone being back to life and doing things. So I watch love out. It. I love it, guys. Uh, it's been a pleasure watching you guys, like, come up and, you know, continue to raise the bar and, you know, just much more success in the future. Thank, Thank you, you, man. Much love.